We're so excited what you're going to do in our presence this morning. What you're going to build, what you're going to restore, what you're going to, Lord, bring the light this morning. Lord, we thank you for everyone next to us, our right and our left, and we just begin to uh, tell them and we begin to declare the, the word of the Lord over their hearts, over their minds this morning. Let's all stand to our feet. We're all standing. God's good this morning. Thank you, Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Sing that again. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Reaching. There is power in 
you to think about what it means to have no one against you. God is for you this morning. As a matter of fact, the more we learn who Jesus is, we learn that God was never against us. Jesus came to destroy the lie of the power of sin and its influence over us. Jesus was not an example of what we could be. It's who the Father always saw us as. Lord, we thank you for the renewing of our minds that shows us who we are in Christ right now. saving us from a mindset that just constantly put us in a cycle of defeat and a cycle of worry and a cycle where we kept getting changed more and more. And the more we tried, the more we felt distant. We thank you for being the author, the finisher, Lord, the completer, what we hear of our faith.
years old. I'm not going to live forever. It's my last days. But God has put an urgency on my heart to share with you the name of Jesus to be shared with everyone. Everyone we come in contact with. And I'm going to give you a quick story. First of all, last week there was a young man, Pastor Ray, got an opportunity to lead a young man to the Lord. Never knew the Lord. Never been to church. Tanner's friend, one of Tanner's friends. God's doing that kind of thing. People who've never been to church, never heard the name of the Lord. Last night, this song, the first song we sang, the power in the name of Jesus breaks every chain. Breaks every chain. Last night, I'm, I'm watching a secular program on Channel 13, it was about the Carpenters. I don't know, some of you aren't old enough, but Karen Carpenter and her brother, Richard Carpenter, had a group. And it just an awesome. They were very popular in the 60s and the 70s. They were called the Carpenters. And so they had this special, and I, you know, I, I like I liked them at the time. So I wanted to see this this special. And the bottom line is this: they were a great successful group. But this girl, Karen Carpenter, she's my age. She was born in 1950, like I was. So I can kind of relate to her in a way. But she had everything, but yet there was just nothing there. And she was anorexic. And I I know some of you know what anorexic is. And 
she went to psychotherapy and all this other stuff and nothing helped and she died at the age of 32 or 33 years old and I, you say okay what does this have to do with Jesus well it has a lot to do with Jesus because last night I was just weeping for her soul I was just weeping saying Lord how many others how many others are going to psychotherapy when Jesus is right there you know, I, I never had an opportunity to share Jesus with her, but I bet there was somebody in Hollywood or in the hospital or somewhere that could have just told her. And maybe somebody did, hopefully, because she had a voice of an angel. As Burt Bacharach said, you know, he heard her the first time. It's the voice of an angel. You don't find many voices like that. But maybe somebody did share Jesus in the hospital. The reason I gave you those scriptures earlier, because it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. How are they going to call upon the name of the Lord? Unless we tell them. Unless we tell them. So there could be that person at work or the person in the neighborhood that just has to know that Jesus cares about them. It's not up to you to save them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But it is up to us. There's an urgency to tell that person at the airport about Jesus. To tell that person at Walmart about Jesus. Now, you may not be in Hollywood, but you're where God put you. And there's somebody that, just like Karen Carpenter, needed to hear about Jesus. Wherever God puts you, that person needs to hear about Jesus. So I wanted to share or relate that story simply because there's power in the name of Jesus. Power in the name of Jesus. Ask the Lord, and we're going to pray right now for a boldness, and I need that boldness too. A boldness, and it's not going to be an arrogant boldness. It's going to be a loving boldness. You see, there's a difference between the two. When you go to somebody and share Jesus in love, The Holy Spirit is going to melt the heart. And so we're not doing it in pride or arrogance like, I got this and you don't. It's just that Jesus loves you so much. He cares about you so much. And your situation and your depression or whatever it is. And He wants to see you in high, exalted, heavenly places with Him. And that's very possible, not just possible, it's reality with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, everyone here today, Lord, each one of us, myself included, Lord, pour out your Spirit on us that we would have a boldness in love to proclaim the name of Jesus to the Jew, to the Gentile, to the Muslim, to the Hindu, to the Buddhist, to the atheist, to the agnostic, to the friend, to the enemy, to the loved ones, to the lost ones. Father, give us that boldness because we know that there's power in the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
So, Father, we, we thank you. You're filling us right now with that new love and boldness for the lost, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. that word this morning powerful word from the Lord how many of you know the Holy Spirit wants us to be aware that we're conduits of God's love there's people all around us and even right now the presence of the Lord is rich here and he wants to empower us this morning in fact you may be seated this morning for a few minutes as our ushers can come we're gonna uh, we're gonna forgot about yeah go ahead and come on down and we're going to prepare for our our, uh, offering this morning god is good isn't he praise god uh god is so faithful how many of you thankful that god is a great provider he really blesses us abundantly above all that we can ask or think you know the apostle john in third john three said i would that above all you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You know, one of the reasons why we tithe and we give unto the Lord, it's, it's not because God's trying to get something from you. He's actually trying to set us free from the very thing that we think we depend on. And it's amazing. See, one thing that's a characteristic about our Heavenly Father, He's a giver. He gives. And when we give like he gives, how many of you know the blessings just keep coming in? It's not only the blessings keep coming back, but God continually brings enlargement. We're just going to pray over our tithes and offering this morning. Father, we thank you that, Father, you have given us all things. You've given us life, breath. You've given us a body. You've given us a mind to work. You've given us a body, Lord. And, Lord, We just offer to you right now the first fruits of all of our increase unto you. You've called us to be stewards, Lord, of that which already belongs to you. The the tithe is holy unto the Lord. And Lord, we just sanctify, we offer it to you this morning. And we just pray right now you'll bless both gift and giver. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You may... uh, give make it go ahead and come all right good morning just let you guys know what's going on around new life tonight there are three life groups where you can just get connected and fellowship and go deeper with your brother and your sister um neem and i's group is meeting at our house pastor ray and carol are you guys meeting at your house they're meeting at their house addresses are on the back or you can see us and then um kim and david's group is meeting at breckenridge park and so if you want to have fun with them see them for details on that um monday night we've got stuff going on we've got a couple of classes and prayer here in the sanctuary wednesday night pastor ray's got his renewing the mind series um i do want to remind the teenagers if you are interested in our youth drama 
getting that together. Um, that'll be next Sunday after church, and you can see me if you have questions about that. Um, alrighty, teenage or not not teen. I was going to dismiss the teenagers. Sorry, kids. You guys can go to class. Power Kids and Tiny Tots. You guys can go to class at this time. Praise God. As I put my choker rope up here on, I, I was I wanted to wanted to just say how much I appreciate how the Holy Spirit's moving this morning. How many of you believe God really wants you free this morning? He wants He wants you free. Not only wants you free, but He wants you strong. Amen. God never intended for you to be weak. He intends for you to be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. And uh, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, I'm, I'm on a short series on, on tearing down high places. And uh, I want to just read a short section here in the book of Kings. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to break some change, continue to do a work in our life. How many of you know it's possible to have chains in your life and you don't even know about it? And one of the ways that you can know that even though Jesus, yes, He has died and He's risen again. And the Bible says He's dealt with our sins. Jesus has already dealt with our sins. Our sins are washed and cleansed. Amen? But you'll find that in the epistles in the Bible that Jesus was dealing with believers at that time that still dealt with strongholds in their life. And one of the reasons why it's important that we as believers become free is because the freer you are, the freer that you know, when you come to understand your identity in Christ as sons and daughters, the freer you are, the more anointed you are. There's a greater anointing on your life. You see, the devil mocks. The devil laughs at a Christian who's in bondage. He mocks and he laughs at that. When you are in fear or in doubt, or there's strongholds in your life, he knows you're not going to go anywhere. He knows that your marriage will not represent the kind of life or light that will demonstrate to others that there is re- there's a real God. How many of you know today there's, a, there's, a, there's actually in America right now a rise of atheism. There's, there's people that are not believing God. There's, there's even the Apostle Paul said, in the last days many will depart from the faith giving heed to seducing doctrines. That's why at New Life Fellowship, we believe in preaching the Word of God. Many of you know the Word of God is what keeps you on course. It's the compass in your life. And one of the things God wants to do is He wants you to be established. He wants you to have strength. And He wants your life to have direction. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know where you're going. Amen. You know where you're going. God wants you to know where you're going. 
Not only does he want you to get, get there, he's interested in that destination and journey, but he wants your life and your light to be a very glorious life. Wants joy to be a part of it. He wants victory. In fact, right now, whatever stage or level you're going through, God's building a testimony in your life. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at tearing down some strongholds, and it's going to be a very practical word, but I also believe the Holy Spirit is going to set us free. The greatest bondage that you can have in your life, even though Jesus has dealt with our sins, the greatest bondage you can have is what is locked up in your head. When I believe a lie, and I believe the lie of the enemy, that's the greatest bondage you can have in your, in your life. And so it's the truth that shall what? Make us free or set us free. I want us to pray right now. In fact, I want you to lay your hand on your heart this morning because I believe the Lord wants to enlarge our heart. He wants to empower your heart this morning. Father, we thank You that You're a great God. We thank You, Lord, that You've come this morning to bring an impartation, a prophetic impartation of life. Even right now, Lord, there are people, Lord, that are at the crossroads in their life. There are some people that are making some some critical, very, very serious decisions. And they need the wisdom of the Lord in their life. Father, we just pray right now that you'll just begin to drop, Lord, that life and drop those nuggets of treasure and wisdom into their heart. There are those even right now, even just as I am just waiting here on the Lord, I just sense the Lord just saying there's some people that have been in a battle that they feel like they are losing. And you feel like you've almost come to a point where you want to give up. You just feel like you've given all your strength and you've just you've determined in your heart to do your best, but your best wasn't good enough. It's like you took two steps forward and five steps back. You've been in the middle of a storm. You've been right in the middle of a storm. You've been doing the will of God. You've been pressing into the Lord. And I just feel like the Lord is saying to you right now, I just sense this in the in my spirit this morning, that the Lord is coming to you in the middle of your storm and He's going to come walking on the water and He's going to come right to you, right in your boat this morning. I just, I, I just, I just feel that we need to come into agreement when the Lord comes into our life, even in the midst of the, the storm, He says, peace be still. We just need to receive the peace of God right now. Father, we don't know where we've come from sometimes. We don't even know where we're going. But Lord, we just rest in the fact that You are with us in the middle of the storm. In the middle. Everyone say in the middle. God's interested in meeting you right in the middle of your crisis. Right in the middle of your storm this morning. Just even right now as we're waiting on, I just I want us to wait on the Lord for a second. I just sense someone having extreme pain behind their right, I even see right and left ears. Just there's a there's a uh, lymph, no, lymph node in the back of your ear, and I just sense there's been an infection in your body, and those lymph nodes have been inflamed, and I just feel like the Lord just touching you right now bringing relief and healing and bringing balance even into your blood system right now. Father, we just speak life 
even into their system right now. Healing power. Father, we thank You. We receive life in Jesus' name by the grace of God. You know, Jesus never told us to pray for the sick. He said to heal the sick. And this morning, if there's an issue in your body, I want you, you know, Jesus said in Matthew 17, He said to speak to the mountain. You're to speak to your sickness. If you've got a fever this morning, you speak to it and you command it to come out in Jesus' name. You speak to that ear problem. You can speak even to your own fears. You speak to the mountain in Jesus' name. How many of you know that, that faith requires us to use our mouth? Why does God want me to speak faith? It's because my mind is in contradiction to my faith. My mind, the Bible talks about the carnal mind. My mind is in constant rebellion against the Word of God. It's amazing. When you speak the Word, do you know what it does? It changes your mind. How many of you have ever said something you did not feel? Well, I'm going to raise both hands because that's been me. I've, I've, done, I've said things I didn't feel. Now, some of you may think, well, boy, that's, that sounds like you're a, a phony. No, you're not a phony. Many times God's asking us to speak things that we don't understand, we don't feel, or we don't even comprehend. For instance, the Bible says that we are to declare, this is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know when David said that? It was when he was facing a huge crisis in his life. How many of you have ever said, this is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to get up and go to the house of God. I'm going to rejoice. Heaven's going to come down. The glory of the Lord's going to meet me. And there's going to be some breakthrough in my life. How many of you came to church like that? Praise God. How many of you come to church like this? Well... Really going through some massive problems. About to lose my job. I got a demotion. My neighbor's getting after me. I got bit by the dog. The cat's squealing. My husband's going up. I'm going down. The kids are running around like crazy animals. And I don't know if I'm going to get anything from church today. You see, that is a declaration that the devil loves you to confess. Because your mouth sets your course. And when you begin to declare defeat, I've told people whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your life, whether it's your destiny, you may be going through a crisis in your life, whatever comes out of your mouth sets your course. That's why God told Israel when they were coming into the promised land and they were marching around Jericho, do you know why Joshua told those Israelites? God actually spoke to them. He says, when you march around Jericho seven days, you keep your mouth shut. Do you know why? Because when we see problems like the walls of Jericho, you know what we want to do when we're walking around that thing that God says you're going to possess? The tendency is to say, well, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I'm going to make this one. I don't think those walls are going to come down. I don't know if I'm going to really get that breakthrough. I don't know if that healing's going to be for me today. I don't know if our marriage is going to work today. I don't know. But how many of you know God's Word says that we walk 
by faith. How many of you know that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him? I, I want to just say something. God wants to take us up several notches today in our faith today. He wants to lift your vision this morning. Some of you, you have been facing some real mountains, and those mountains are not intended for you to avoid. Some people run away from mountains. Some people go around mountains. Some people climb mountains. But some mountains, you're to speak to, and you're to cast them in the sea. Amen. How many of you have been speaking to some mountains? Amen. I'm speaking to some mountains. This past week, I was working on my bathroom. And uh, as, as carpenters usually do, I smashed my thumb. Because I haven't used a hammer in many, many years. And I smashed it. Not only did I smash it, but I cut it with a paper. Have you ever had a paper cut? I smashed it and cut it on the self-same day. And I was going around my house complaining. And I was whining. And my wife, as she usually does, she says, Ray, let's give thanks. I wanted to tell her, shut up. But she was right. I need to rise above the pain and rise above... And I remember Psalms 18. Remember David said, when the enemy had come in like a flood, and the Bible says that when he was in that time where he was hiding in the cave of Adullam and Saul was chasing him to destroy him, David said this in the Psalms 18. He says, I will love you, Lord, my strength. I will praise you with all of my heart, for you are my strength and my song. See, David said, I will love you. How many of you know it didn't say, Lord, I feel like loving you? No, he said, I will. Everyone say will. See, faith involves an act of the will. You can determine what you get out of something when you make up your mind. Do you know that? Instead of allowing the storm to drive your boat. There's a lot of people today that are in storms and they're just saying, you know, I just can't help it. The storm's just kind of pushing me this way. No, God allows storms in your life. And it's interesting, in Luke 10, I believe it is, where Jesus was in the midst of this, or the disciples were in the midst of the storm, and it says, And the Lord saw, he saw that the winds, it says this in Scripture, the winds were contrary. They were contrary against their rowing. You're rowing hard, but the winds keep pushing you away, keep, keep pushing you down. And yet Jesus comes in the midst of the storm. If you're in a storm today, the Lord's coming to you. He's coming to you. Tell, tell your neighbor He's coming. He's coming to you. He's coming to speak to you. And what He wants to do, I love what it says in Psalms. David said, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. 
my help comes from the Lord. How many of you know that when we're in the crisis, we need to lift up our eyes? You know why it says, David says, I lift up my eyes to the hills? Because when they were in the battle, the Ark of the Covenant was usually put on a mountain. And when they would see Moses, and they would see the Ark of the Covenant in the battle, Moses on the mountain, and when Moses' arms were extended, the Bible says that the people in the valley, in the battle, they would prevail. But when Moses' hands fell down, the people would move into defeat. And so it's really important that we keep our eyes on the Lord. Amen? That's, that's what we need to do. So I want everybody to do something with me just for a minute. I want you to lay your hands on your eyes this morning. Father, You said that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. Lord, I pray for anointing my eyes, anointing the eyes of my heart, that I might see clearly and that I might know exactly what I need to do. Father, we thank You that You're the God of breakthrough. You're a God who's for us and not against us. You're a God who comes with reward, with answers. Lord, with wisdom from above. Lord, You come and even before the battle begins, You declare us victors and overcomers in Jesus' name. And we give You praise. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't He? Is God good? God is good. Praise God. Amen. Let me just hit a few things this morning. I know that wasn't my message, but I felt the Holy Spirit just say this. I want to, in fact, jump, jump with me actually. Go back with me this morning. I'm going to jump quite ahead. Jump with me into, um, uh, uh, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10. Just for a few minutes here more, and then I'll, I'm going to close. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 14. Last week we were talking about tearing down high places. And we went through the book of Kings. And we talked about how Israel from the time of Solomon until the days of Hezekiah for 219 years had permitted high places in their life. High places. And these high places were shrines and they were beautiful groves and in these high places, actually, uh, Judy, do you have my definition of the high place from Winky Prattney? I, I forgot to, I, I hope, I, I think I put that definition up there. I want to give you the definition of a high place. This uh, was by Winky Prattney. This, this is what it is in the Old Testament. The, the, the term high place was used, which became a stumbling block to the Israelites. It was a beautiful park full of trees and special plants which were usually opium. Marijuana plants, carved idols, and wooden statues of special deities like Ashtoreth and Ashtoreth, Asher and Ashtoreth, by the way, which has to do with the goddess of immorality, uh, which focused on the purpose of worship. Many times these gatherings involved eating, dancing, drugs, and high-volume music that would put people into a trance-like state. It was a very attractive sort of religion for people in love with money and power. 
You went to these groves or high places for sex, drugs, food, and would usually dance in the grass nude. It would ultimately end up in different types of orgies and people made it religious. Later you sacrificed your children because supposedly these gods of nature had given them to you and now they want them back. When you read in the Old Testament about these high places, that's where they were. High places originated with pagan nations. The problem with Israel was not just the fact that that um, they were a nation few in number, but when they begin to possess the promised land, God told Israel in the book of Deuteronomy and Joshua, you will find that when they possess the promised land, these nations could not prevail against Israel. And here's the reason why. Israel had this piece of furniture called the Ark of the Covenant. And that Ark, the presence of God, made them invincible. Do you know the Holy Spirit makes you invincible today? It made them invincible. No nation could stand against Israel. They were literally a superpower. And when the presence of God was in the camp of Israel, every nation that would come against them. Israel, sometimes, it's interesting, God told them to go fight against them. Sometimes he'd tell the Levites to go out in front. And some of the weapons of warfare was singing and worship. And just through the singing and the worship and the praise, the Bible says that the enemy would turn against themselves and destroy themselves. It brought such confusion. But the pagan nations begin to realize, we cannot defeat Israel because of this ark and because of the presence of the Lord. So since we can't defeat them that way, let's join them. Let's get into their head. Let's invite them to some of our parties. Let's get them involved in our activities. And if you go back into the book of Judges, chapter 2, you will find that when Israel came into the land and they began to take the land, the possession of the promised land, the problem was is they did not take care of the enemy. Instead, the enemy began to set traps of enticement. They begin to invite them to their parties. They begin to invite them to their orgies. They begin to invite, and it was it was a very casual thing. It wasn't all out uh, immorality and all out murder and sacrificing babies at first. It was a, it was a very slow e- e- evolution of digression where we can, if we can just get Israel away from their passion and their loyalty and the devotion to the Lord their God, if we can somehow get them into a place where they're lukewarm. If we can just somehow set some bait and draw them and entice them with their areas of their weakness, if we can do that, if we can somehow captivate their time, if we can get their time, if we can get them to begin to not prioritize their love and passion and devotion to Jehovah, but if we can somehow get them focused on living for themselves like we do and worship our gods and come to our parties and then we'll slowly entrap them and get them weak and then they'll become our servants. They will serve us. 
And that is exactly what happened when you come into 2 Kings chapter 17 where King Hoesha, Hoesha was one of the kings of Judah. The Bible says they begin to enter into witchcraft and offering their children on these places called high places. It started out with music. By the way, by the way, there's nothing wrong with music. There's nothing wrong with a little dancing, by the way. But what the problem was, it began to consume them. It began to overtake them. The influence of their surroundings began to draw them, listen to me, began to draw them away from their loyalty to God. How many of you know that we're in a spiritual warfare today? How many of you know that the devil would love nothing more is to destroy your love for the Word of God? If he can somehow get you out of the house of God, if he can get you distracted, and it's not with gross sin. The devil doesn't come to you and say, hey, I'm here to get you into witchcraft, into the gross sin, into, the, into child sacrifice. That's not, the, that's not the way the devil works. The devil works by letting you think, I need a break. And I need a break from church. I need a break from... Pastor Ray's talking all about this seeking first the kingdom of God and pressing into the things of God. I need a break from that kind of lifestyle. I need to think... Hey, McDonald's said it best. You deserve a break today. I deserve a break today. All of a sudden... And by the way, there's nothing wrong with taking a break. There's not. There's nothing wrong with going on vacation. There's nothing wrong with taking a fishing trip, having a vacation. There's nothing wrong with that. But what the devil does is over time, if he can somehow get you so distracted and so caught up with the concerns and the cares of life where you are consumed with things and pressures and weights, all of a sudden you find yourself pulling back and then moving into what I call spiritual drifting, where you're just drifting. Then you begin to justify yourself. That's what happened with me years ago. I remember I had a high place in my life. Guess what my first high place was that I could recognize? I remember I fell in love with a 1964 Chevrolet Impala. It was just a car. But I want to tell you something, when I got a hold of that car, that car got a hold of me. In fact, you know, that car prophesied to me. I mean, that thing began to call my name at night, and I'd get up at midnight, go for a drive. I love that car. Nothing wrong with loving a car. But you know what? I ate, drank, and slept that car. It was my first car. Nothing wrong with having a car. Nothing wrong with having a nice car. But for me, at that season in my life, I was going through a real empty time in my life. I was going through a season where there was a huge vacuum, and I began to use the car as a way of filling my... In fact, you know what? I got the car so I could get some girls. Guess what? It didn't work. I don't know if it was the car... But man, I put hours of buffing that car and shining that car. I spent money. In fact, I, mean, I'm, I, I, I even hate to tell you this. I remember when Carol was my girlfriend. I was dating her at the time. 
just to let you know what kind of a high place I had. I remember I wanted an eight-track tape deck. I know that dates me. But there was, back in those days, they had eight. Eight tracks had just come on the market in an eight-track tape deck. This, this gorgeous Sony eight-track that would sit right on the console, right behind my Hearst four-speed shifter. But I, I noticed that this eight-track cost over $125. And that was back in 1971 or 72. And for that, that was a lot of money back in those days. But I didn't have the money. I'd put all my money into this car, and I happened to be in band. I was in a band uh, in my second. I was actually a first uh, year trumpet player, and I'd play trumpet. And I was always thinking, "What can I do? What can I do to get some money? I need that eight track tape deck, and I need those four speakers. I wanted a quad system in my car, and." I, I mean, I would go by down at the market, the store, and I'd go by the window shop, and I'd see that 8-track Sony tape deck sitting there, just it, calling my name. It was just calling me. And I said, man, I wish I could get that. I need that. I have to have it. it it'll help on my dating career, my dating life. It'll help me out. I remember one day I was sitting in band, and I was going in and out of band, and one thing I noticed when band was over, I noticed that there was an instrument, a flute, that was never being used in the band room. Everybody put their band instruments in this, 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 this one instrument, which was a flute in, a, in, in its case, was sitting there on the shelf. And I noticed several weeks, I'd come in and put my trumpet up there, and I noticed that flute sitting there by the uh, on the shelf, and then I'd go to class, and I watched that for several, and, and I noticed that for two weeks, three weeks, nobody was using that flute, and so what I did, I stole it, I took it, and I put it in my car, and I walked out of the high school with it in my car, and I even hate to tell you, I was even leading a Bible study. Yeah, yeah, that 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 call hypocrisy right there, folks. But I wanted that. For, but but here's what I did: I begin to justify me taking it because I this is what I said. Well, nobody's been using it, so it must not be owned by anybody. So nobody's going to be missing it. So it's okay for me to take it. And I took it, and I took it down to a pawn shop, and I sold it. And I had enough money to go out and buy that 8-track tape deck. Was that a happy day for me? You're not all laughing. Man, praise God. Well, I was driving in my car and playing. In fact, John even hit, I was even playing the carpenters, man. <laughs> playing the carpenters and playing uh, some other uh, imperial. Some of you may not even know who they were. They were a Christian group. I was even playing Christian music while I was driving around with a stolen eight-track tape. And, and I'm driving around, and, and I'm just enjoying the thing. And you know what? I was even doing this. I, I, I tell you, it's, I even hate to tell you, but I was thanking the Lord for the blessing of God. I really was. I was like, thank you, Lord. Praise God. And I didn't feel so bad because nobody was using that flute. Interesting thing happened a week or two weeks goes later. I'm in band, and we just ended band practice, 
And the band instructor says, oh, uh, uh, folks, uh, before you all leave uh, band uh, class today, has anybody seen the, the flute that was in the uh, uh, band uh, storage room? Has anybody seen the band? We've we got, we got a missing flute uh, situation. And you, you all know why uh, the flute's not been used. And I'm sitting there just not saying a word. There was a young lady that it belonged to who was out of school for medical reasons. She was in the hospital for a couple months. And it was her flute. And he just told the whole band this. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I guess it does belong to somebody. Well, you know what? She probably has insurance, so she'll get it replaced. I mean, I justified myself while I'm sitting there. You would not believe what happened. There was a day, probably several months goes by, and my wife and I go downtown Portland to a, a concert. I don't know if it was an Andre Crouch concert or whatever. It was downtown at the Portland Coliseum. While I'm down at the Portland Coliseum, and we're in this gorgeous area, the concert's over, and I come out, and my driver's side window was smashed. Somebody had the audacity to steal my 8-track tape deck. Guess what? What goes around, comes around. I was so mad at that thief. Oh, I was upset. How dare them take my 8-track tape deck? And right there, the Holy Spirit said, What are you saying? What in the world are you doing? Well, Somebody, I can't believe they violated me. They violated me. I, I, I was so upset. And I was so angry about them still. I wasn't here in the Holy Spirit yet. But as I'm going back and I took Carol home, because that when they took, took that 8-track tape deck, but I don't know if they took a crowbar, they just ripped the console out. But as I was driving home to Hood River, because I lived an hour away from Portland, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. He says, Ray, you're reaping what you're sowing. You're reaping what you're sowing. It's because you have made a God out of this thing. I, I didn't realize that I had slipped into idolatry with something that I wanted so badly that I was willing to steal for it and to cover it up. And then to justify. How, how many of you know the Lord loves us enough that He loves us enough that He will begin to convict us about things? Good preaching, Pastor Ray. I want you to know we don't want to smother and put out our conscience. God, how many of you know God wants us free, but being free means having a clear conscience? But this was a high place. And it was a high place in my life because I was insecure. And I was wanting something so bad that I was willing to steal from it. You won't believe this, but it's the truth. I didn't deal with that. I kept that undercover through my high school years, through my college years. And it wasn't until I married Carol... The one day, we were actually doing communion in our service. And I, I just kind of let it go. 
But you know what? The Holy Spirit didn't let it go. And I was married, I think, in my first or second year of marriage, and the Holy Spirit told me, Ray, you need... I was reading in, in the book of Leviticus about when a man steals something, he needs to repay four times what he took. And the Lord began to deal with me about finding that young lady. Now, obviously, we're out of high school, out of college. And I told my wife, I said, Carol, I need to take a couple hundred bucks. We were just married. And I remember taking a day off of work, and I went back to Hood River. Back in those days, we had telephone books. I know we don't. But, but I, I, I happened to track down the family of the girl who owned the flute and found her. Found her parents. I came to the door. I'm, a, I'm in my early 20s now. I knocked on the door, and I said, I know you guys do not know who I am. My name is Ray Galligan, and uh, I need to confess something. And they're looking at me like, what? I said, I, did you have a daughter? By the, yeah, and by the way, she's married now. She's married, and she was healthy. She'd come out of her, whatever her medical issue was at the time she was gone in, in school. But I'm talking to the parents, and I said, I, I need to share something with you. When I was in high school, I was the one who stole your daughter's flute because I wanted an 8-track tape deck. And both of these adults, both of them, they're probably in their mid-50s at the time, they're looking at me and they said, you are kidding. You are kidding. You, you, you came now to tell us that you stole the flute? And this is what they said. I was in shock. You didn't have to do that. And I said, no, I have to do that. Because I, I am a Christian. I hate to say it, but I was a Christian then. But I got into carnality and I got selfish. Got my eyes off of Jesus. I got into a high place. And I started focusing on myself. And I crossed some lines. And I know that I took your daughter's flute. And they said, well, yeah, it was a big disappointment. We weren't happy, but we bought her another flute. And I said, I ain't going to pay you. What? And I give them something like $225. And they didn't even want to take it, literally, because so many years have gone by. And I said, I need to give this to you. They really forgave me. They were Christian people, by the way. They forgave me. But when I left there, you talk about the heavens opening up from I literally felt like God started answering prayers and things started moving for me because I made something right even though it was years earlier. Probably about six or seven years had gone by. I, I'm actually ashamed to tell you that I let that go by that long. But the Lord, and I, I did over time, I did everything to smother that, just, just put it out. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, we need to respond to when He's pricks our heart. How many of you know it's because He loves you? God's not doing that to shame you. He's doing it to set you free. I cannot tell you the freedom that I had after that. The peace that just flooded me. Oh, the peace of God. The joy of the Lord. The love of God. It was a phenomenal. It, and another thing that happened is just answers. Answers to prayer started flowing like a river. God just started moving. 
The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, He makes even his enemies to be at peace with Him. How many of you know that God wants our lives to reflect His very nature? And I learned a long time ago that when you cross some lines, I'll tell you one thing, I have never stolen anything since. Never. Because I know the consequences of something like that. But it was a high place. It was something that I put ahead of God. It was something that I wanted so badly that I was willing to lie and steal and cover it up. Proverbs says this, If a man covers his sin, he will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes shall have mercy. How many of you want mercy out there today? You see, and maybe you didn't still flute. And we're not here trying to focus on what you've done or what you haven't done. The big danger in a message like this, as I'm speaking to you right now, the the greatest danger in presenting a message like this is for you to come under condemnation and then begin to think that you must try to fix yourself in your own strength. That's the wrong way to handle it. Well, Pastor, are you saying we shouldn't try to make things right? No, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. We, we, we need to do within the best of our power to make things right. But here's the thing. Faith works by love. The thing that motivated me to repentance was to realize how awesome God was and that I wasn't depending on Him. I was not depending on Him. You see, the greatest danger here is for us to slip under legalism. Do you know what you and I are like? We were created in God's image. We were created to love and to hunger. We were created to thirst. In fact, all of us here are like walking Velcro strips. Have you ever known what a Velcro is? When you love something, do you know what happens? It gets attached to you. You were created for attachment. You were created to fall in love and to love things and to give yourself to things, but you become attached to it. And when things become attached to you, it will begin to influence and transform your mind and it begins to shape you. And the Bible actually refers to that attachment is as worship. Do you know that love and worship are one and the same? You can love something so In fact, what you love is what you worship. Worship isn't what we do in four walls in a, in a church service like this. Yes, that is a form of praise. But worship is what you open your heart and what you give yourself and what has a hold of your emotions in your mind. You become attached. And whatever you become attached to begins to shape your mind your emotions, your course, it begins to shape your character, and you'll lie, you'll cheat, you'll do whatever you need to do to get it, because you worship it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul here says this. With this, I need to close. I know my time is gone. Listen to what it says. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from what? 
flee from idolatry. I speak to you as wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Jesus? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we are partakers of that one bread. He's speaking of our relationship with Jesus being partakers of that one bread, one in Christ. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything, or what is offered to idols is anything, rather that the things which Gentiles sacrifice, that word sacrifice means I'm coming in to agreement. To sacrifice means that I'm giving myself over. I'm becoming attached to this. What they sacrifice, notice, they're sacrificing to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. Notice, first of all, he's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to the church at Corinth. He is saying that we need to be careful with what we give ourselves to. We need to be careful with what we make sacrifices for. The decisions we make. He says, you're not making sacrifices just out of your own desire. What you're doing is when you make sacrifices, certain choices in life that does not honor God, it's possible for you to become joined with demons. And when you're joined with demons, guess what? There's no peace. There's broken fellowship. There's a wall. All of a sudden, you begin to find the temperature in the house begins to go up. Because Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his objective. And so I don't want to sacrifice to demons. You know, well, Pastor, are you talking about going to some kind of an occult or doing offering sacrifices? No, no, that's not what he's referring to. He's talking about when you begin to use your body or your mind. Notice the word there is eat. He says whatever they eat. Now, folks, we don't just eat with our mouth. We eat through our eyes. We eat through our ears. We eat through friendships. You have fellowship. You are sacrificing. When you are eating, you are opening your heart to certain lifestyles and certain things. What it says there is you're becoming one with a demon. How many of you know we don't want to become one with demons? That's what Paul is saying here. That, that means that I need to guard my temple. Everyone say temple. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's my mind. I want to tell you something right now. I need to watch what I watch. On, I need to be careful what I watch on TV. How many of you know that not everything you watch on TV is healthy? There's certain relationships. There's certain friendships that will pull you away from the house of God. Pull you away from the Lord. There are people that will mock you. They will scorn you. They will manipulate you. Make you feel condemned because you're a Christian. That's not just some kind of a happenstance accident. There's a demonic ploy to pull you away and destroy your faith. Oh, Pastor Ray, come on. 
Is it that really that serious? Yes, it is. It is that serious. How many of you know we're in a real battle today? It's a real battle. When the Bible refers to high places, now I want to tell you right now, there is no competition with the devil when you're a believer. The key here is this, is that you need to know your identity as a son and a daughter, and you need to know that you were created for greater things than what the devil wants to set bait for you. You were created for glory. You were created for ruling and reigning. You were created to, to rule and reign. And that's why the Bible says that we are not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Now, I, 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 I like a lot of things in the world. I like, I like you know, uh, racquetball. Uh, I like sports. I like things. God, God is not saying you can't have a good life that way. But I want to be careful about allowing those things to rule over my life. I remember one day racquetball ruled over me. It took me out of the house of God. It destroyed. I I allowed that to destroy my first love with the Lord. It became idolatry. There's nothing wrong with racquetball. Nothing wrong with it. Play a game, have tournaments, no problem. But it began to be obsessed. I obsessed it. I begin to think about it. I stopped reading my Bible, stopped prayer. I just in, invested a lot of time and a- energy in it. And the Lord began to say, Ray, 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 Ray. I want you to lay aside every weight and the sin so, which so easily besets us. And let us run the race set before us. You know what I'm sharing this for this morning and what I felt the Holy Spirit say is that God wants us free. God wants us to be in a place where His blessing is flowing in us and on us. Amen? God, God wants there to be an open channel. And if there's any wall, if there's anything in your life that you have become attached to that's an inordinate attachment, I feel the Lord is not saying, He's not coming to condemn us What he is saying is that I want you to give me first place. Jesus said this in Matthew 6. No man can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or you will love and hate the other. Let me ask you this. Is Jesus master? The word master is where we get the word Lord. When Jesus is Lord, he's the master of my life. And what that means is He has the right to speak into my life. Can He speak into you? Does He have access into you? Let's bow our heads, shall we? Just bow your heads this morning. I know that what I've been sharing this morning, even out of my own life, the intent here has nothing to do with getting you to operate out of your own strength. The Bible says that when we draw nigh to Him, He will draw nigh to us. He wants you to know that things, materialism, even people, and other situations can never satisfy like Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He's the only thing. He's the only person that can truly bring meaning, purpose, and life to you. He wants to be first in your life. He wants to be your all in all. 
And this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, there's, wow, I've, I've allowed myself to drift. Maybe there's been, maybe you haven't stolen a flute or maybe you haven't done some things like I did. But maybe you just got your eyes off the Lord. The Lord is not coming to get condemned. What He is saying is He loves you so much. He cares about you. He wants you to know that only what you were created for can truly bring lasting purpose and meaning in your life. When you are rightly aligned with Him, can you find that peace? And this morning you may say, you know, Pastor Ray, I put some things in my life, some high places that are out of alignment. And I need the Lord to become first and central in my life. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Anyone out there says, I I need the Lord to be central in my life. Okay, I see your hand. See your hand. Anyone else? Just say, I need some things that I know that have come between me and the Lord. And I know the Lord loves me so much. Amen. It, It could even be in a relationship. Maybe there's unforgiveness. Maybe there's an offense. You know, when, the, when those things happen, the Bible says we need to make it right. If there's an offense, if there's an issue, we, we want to make things right with each other and with the Lord. Don't, don't, don't allow things to come between you, your brother and your sister, your, maybe a spouse. We want there to be open channels in heaven. God wants there to be peace in your life this morning. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? Shall we all stand together? Let's take each other by the hand. Can we do that? I want us to pray for just a few minutes. I want you to pray for your neighbor on the right and on the left. And just pray. Father, we just pray. Just pray that the Holy Spirit would just continue to unfold Jesus in their life. Just ask the Lord to just begin to bring impartation of grace upon them. Just just pray right now. Pray for your brother, your sister. Father, just thank them. Thank the Lord for them in your life. Thank them as a blessing. Whether it's a spouse, a friend. Father, thank you that you brought them into my life, Lord. To speak into my life. Lord, I need my wife. I need my husband. I need this friend. Father, we're a body. And Lord, we're not isolated and alone. We need each other. Father, we pray that there would come nothing between us and our love for You. Let us not be like the Laodicean church, which was lukewarm. And Lord, had allowed materialism to come between them and the Lord. Father, we ask You right now, Lord, to just reveal by Your holy light Reveal, Lord, anything, Lord, that you need to cleanse, remove. We, we offer that to you, Lord. Father, we know you love us so much that you will never give us over to things that would destroy us. Lord, we know we live in a society today that's very materialistic, very move, have moved into idolatry and on many levels. And Lord, we ask You right now that You would just become Papa, Daddy to us. Lord, empower and encourage us this morning.
Father, we thank You that You're a good Father, a good Daddy. And Lord, we can come into Your presence and we can be covered by Your love. You will never cast us out, never condemn us. You will never, Lord, reject us, Lord. But You come to show mercy and You come to heal us, even as a father with a son in whom He delights. Lord, You even come at times to chasten us because You care about us. Lord, let nothing come between us and You, Lord, or one another. And we give you praise. And everyone said, Amen. Give that person a hug. God bless you. Don't forget life groups tonight. Life groups tonight, 6 o'clock. Be blessed in Jesus' name.